to another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Today we've got Ale Campos of the band Los Nubes, and she just talked to Dylan. So how did that go, Dylan? It was great, man. Um, I got uh, kind of put onto her music from a few friends here in Colombia. Um, she and the rest of the band are down in Miami, and they seem to be just doing really well there. She uh, is... Uh, part of the staff at a really great record store in Miami called Sweat Records that we talked about a good bit. And that record store is also like a DIY event space as well. And um, but yeah, they're they're just this awesome band. It's kind of like fuzzy, punchy little tunes with like just earworms for days. Like it's super catchy, but also just like uh, it's got a lot going for it. I really enjoy it. Um, but they've been doing really cool stuff. They've been playing a bunch of festivals or you know pre-pandemic and i saw that um blanking on the name of it but some really big looking festivals going on in miami that they're going to be part of the bill for and it's just got an insane lineup uh so check out you know their instagram and, and all their websites to just see what's going on i think now that everybody's getting vaccinated uh dipping their toes back into performing again like the rest of us so if you're in a position to, you should definitely try to check them out, but check out their records as well. They're just awesome, and it was really great getting to talk to her. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Y'all enjoy. Like, I have no real feel for what, like, Miami life is like. <laughs> um, so, it's, it's Miami. It's like what you imagine, could imagine it to be, you know, like, that movie side of it. Um, but I tend to stay away from a lot of those areas and, like, you know, Locals don't go to South Beach or to, like, you know, the places that, you know, Wynwood and all that. But um, I try to, like, just kind of, you know, go to all the seedy places. Right. <laughs> I work at a record store in in a part of Miami called Little Haiti. And... Uh, the drummer of Las Nubes is actually co-owner of the record store. And I, we both work there together and I've been there for, for seven years. It's called sweat records. Yeah. That was what I was going to ask. Yeah. There's, that's like a kind of legendary spot from what I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. We've been around for, I want to say almost 16 years now this year. Um, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, considering that, you know, they started up, like, right when, you know, uh, downloading music and online streaming started, you know, popping off. And the fact that they survived through all that is very, very impressive. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So when, you know, a town like Miami, is it is it sort of like Atlanta and these other places where, like, yes, it's a big city, so there's plenty of maybe there's plenty of spots to play when you're, you know, a young kid first getting into music, but is it very connected or does it feel like it's kind of harder to find your crew there? Um, I don't know. I feel like it, for me, my personal experience, it, it is pretty connected. Um, I started playing in bands when I was 15 and I feel like back when I was, you know, starting off and when I was a teenager, there were way more all ages spaces and more DIY spots uh, for shows. Uh, however, that's not really the case anymore. Unfortunately, a lot of uh, smaller DIY venues have closed down over the years. And, you know, unfortunately, it's mostly just kind of a bar scene 
down here. Um, so I can't speak for, you know, a teenager's experience right now in the music scene in Miami. But when I was growing up, it was, I think, a lot easier to to start off much younger and like play. There were more spaces available for us to to do our thing, you know. Right. Yeah, that's pretty crucial to just find your, you know, whatever your road into getting out there and actually performing is. Were Were you doing Los Nubes from the jump, or was that you know were there bands along the way? Oh yeah, I've been in a million bands. Gotcha. Uh, my uh, my first band I played drums in, and we were not very good. Um, and then later on, I just was joining other bands and would play different instruments like bass and and this is actually. I would say the second band that I've played guitar in, first band that I've actually taken on, you know, the role as a songwriter and and producer, I guess. I don't even know what that word means sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. And I don't know, like, just bouncing back real quick to that whole, like, all ages thing. Um we try to do that at at Sweat as much as possible. Uh, you know, we we it, it is an all ages venue, and we try to make it a safe space for for your younger kids to come and like express themselves and like you know play their first show if they want to. Um, and then we also like have the space open for local bands to you know consign their merch with us and stuff like that. So I don't know, <laughs> we're trying. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, around we're in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and there's a, a record shop that's similarly really thoughtful towards, you know, just having like really hard to beat consignment setups for local artists. Which and they also just push it jazz? really hard. Yeah, Papa Jazz is the one here. I love Papa Jazz. I so fun fact: I used to go to Columbia a lot, um, okay. and I would go to shows there, like all the time like i was friends with the they their own god dudes oh yeah <laughs> and um my friends uni and ryan had a band together called fuck mountain um and yeah i would just go and hang out there a lot with them and i've played shows there a few times <laughs> that's awesome yeah those are all amazing people i don't know i know uni and ryan well but i don't know they their own god personally but i think they are possibly the only band i've ever seen use a theremin live so they're memorable <laughs> for sure yeah they're awesome yeah well that, yeah, that's awesome to hear small world for sure um we're so those bands you were in prior to you know taking on your first band where you're you know the primary songwriter and you know string puller were those other bands were they getting to tour much or was it were you more localized to the Miami area um I didn't really start I mean yes I I toured with my other bands just not as much as I do with Las Nubas um so uh I used to play in this band called Wastelands and I always wanted to tour more. Um, however, unfortunately, my bandmates couldn't really, uh, I, I don't know how to say this nicely, so I'm just gonna say it. They couldn't really get their shit together. <laughs> um, so it was a little hard to, to organize things with them a lot of the time. So we, we were able to do one tour that lasted I think a week and after that I left the band <laughs> oh wow yeah sometimes that'll do it just trying to wrangle everybody and the stress of it you know yeah it's, it's hard you know and especially sometimes when you're playing with other people who are you know adults and have adult jobs and <laughs> and they can't really make time for it and then you know you're there like putting everything into it and and you're just like you know th this isn't fair you know I'm like putting everything 
every all of my time all of my money everything into this you know can you just like meet me halfway and then it's you know it's just hard but luckily with Las Nubis everyone is very much on the same page and if one person can't go on the tour they have absolutely no problem just um us finding someone to come with us which that has been so cool you know <laughs> um our bassist had a baby two years ago and you know of course the first year we weren't able to tour with her at all so um so we played with several different bassists uh throughout that year and it was really nice <laughs> yeah yeah it helps when people are at least able to let that happen without having feelings get hurt you know knowing that it's not personal that it's just you gotta exactly yeah you'd have them yeah. there if you could you know basically exactly yeah well yeah um i guess you know there's a lot of things that i'm kind of curious about 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 your musical journey but uh do you have like a musical family at all or you're or was it kind of one of those things where you just discovered it on your own without that influence? Um, my parents both, they're not like, you know, professionals or anything. But when I was younger and, you know, up until I moved out of the house, they were always playing music and singing a lot. My dad especially. Um, and he, he turned me on to a lot of, you know, of course, you know, like, american dad rock and all that but he is he's argentinian so he also put me on to a lot of you know old uh folk music from argentina as well as rock music and all that stuff and then my mom was just really into the beatles <laughs> so that was the first band i ever liked of course you know when i was nine years old <laughs> Um, and then my uncle on my mom's side, he's pretty much the only musical one that actually made a career of it. <laughs> he played bass for Warren Zevon, uh, but he was just his touring bassist. He wasn't like, he didn't write anything with him. Uh, still pretty cool though. <laughs> with him. Yeah, that's fucking cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's about it. That's as far as it goes for musical background in my family um no one's like I don't know growing up my my parents never really instilled the idea of music being a career more just like a hobby um it wasn't until you know they saw me and how serious I was with this band that they kind of were more, you know, encouraging and were like, oh, wow, yes, do it. You got this. And just being, you know, 100%. Yeah, that, yeah, it makes a huge difference when you have, I mean, not that you wouldn't have been able to find your own way without that, uh, that, you know, positive feedback from them, but just having them not tell you over and over, oh, you know, get a real job kind of thing. Right. Not, I think people can steer around that, but it's just one more obstacle that you don't have to think about, which is great, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, uh, so I don't want to make you repeat yourself. I'm sure this is the kind of thing that has been brought up before, but you know, you have all these bands that you're hopping around on different instruments, touring when you can. What's the, you know, genesis of Las Nubes? What what's what happened to make the stars align and make that project? come to fruition <laughs> so uh when i was playing with a previous band called Testacra, i was i was playing drums in that band but that was kind of like when i started messing with the idea of actually writing songs because before that i never really thought i was creative enough or good enough or I just hated all the songs that I wrote and then I don't know I just allowed myself to to just not think about it as much and so I started writing songs on my own and I recorded a bunch of demos 
by myself where I was playing every instrument. Um, and I never intended for anyone to hear those songs because they were very personal. And a lot of them I wrote when I was very sad. Um, so I was just going to keep them to myself and, but I kind of started liking them and showing them to more people and at least close friends. And, and they were all like, dude, these songs are great. Uh, why don't you play them out? And so little by little, I started playing shows just by myself. And every time I would play a show, someone would be like, hey, that was great, but <laughs> you should have a full band. Like, the songs are amazing. They would sound even better with, you know, a full band behind you. And it wasn't until a friend of mine, uh, John McHale, who's a, a promoter down here, um, he came up, he came into the store one day and he had heard my songs like a week prior and said, yo, I'm booking a show for Shonen Knife next month and I need an opening band. Would you be down to play? And I was like, yeah, I'm down. I just need a full band. I'm not going to go up there and play by myself. Uh, and Emily, who, like I said before, is the co-owner slash the drummer in my band now, she was standing there next to me and immediately was like, I'll play drums. <laughs> and and then I just hit up a friend of mine, my friend Johnny, to play bass. And I taught them the songs. We put everything together and we opened for Shonen Knife. And that's how it started. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, uh, one thing that I, I noticed that you guys seem to be very... Um, or just, you know, have done here and there at least that I appreciate is you guys are very uh, receptive to the concept of doing split records, which I feel like is a, unfortunately, sometimes seems like a dying mm -hmm. art. <laughs> it's like nobody hardly does it anymore. It's so cool. Um, and who was it that you did the most recent split with again? I'm blanking for some reason. Oh, um, we did it with another local band called Palomino Blonde. Okay. What's the story on them? That's That one's new to me. They are, um, so when, when they first started, I want to say like three years ago, two years ago, they're, they're young. <laughs> so they started this band when they were, I think two of the members were like 18 or 19. Um, so, so they couldn't even play at the bars yet, you know? Right. Um, but I heard them for the first time and I was just blown away by their sound they you know for for how young they are they they have a really good uh grip on what 90s alternative rock should sound like um and yeah like just seeing them play amazing i was blown away and um also, since they were so young, uh, when I worked at Guitar Center many, many years ago, <laughs> um, they would come in to buy their gear. And so I remember them from that as well when they were really little. Um, and and yeah, I guess they would come to my shows and they really liked my bands and they really loved Las Nubis that one night after we had both played a show together, I messaged them through Instagram and was like, hey, would you guys ever be down to, or no, I didn't even ask. I was like, hey, I think we should put a split out together. <laughs> and and they responded, oh my God, we were literally just talking about that too. Let's do it. And wow. yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, it was meant to be. And uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you this earlier, but I, it slipped my mind at the time, but you know, um, have you been able to spend much time in Argentina? Um, so I used to go a lot when I was a kid. And the last time I went, I was 17. So I haven't been able to go, you know, in 13 years, unfortunately. It's just, it's so expensive to fly over there. I think a flight, like round trip flight costs $1,000 or something crazy like that. Wow. Um yeah, so I haven't been able to go back, but I really want to. And as soon as, you know, tours start happening again, we are 100% doing a tour in Argentina. 
we have a lot of friends down there. Um, we know a lot of bands down there that would be down to, you know, play with us, I think. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. Have you, um, have you all been able to get out of the States much as a band, I mean? Yeah, we went to Mexico in January last year, just before uh, everything shut down. So it was kind of like our last hurrah, and it was incredible. So was it for um, a run of dates or a festival gig? What was the what was the agenda? No, we just we just wanted to go on tour in Mexico, and we made it happen. Uh, Gabriel, our guitarist slash sometimes bassist slash manager <laughs> um he uh he made it happen because he had been there with his band several times uh in the previous years uh he used to play, play in a band called Zeta and they're from Venezuela um and yeah we just we played for five days five shows and a shit ton of live sessions <laughs> that is awesome yeah. yeah um do you think that uh do you got any other i guess uh bucket list countries that you'd like to tour in i mean i'm sure the list is sprawling but any that come to mind is uh particularly interested in getting to eventually other than argentina um so in the beginning of 2020 we had begun to book a tour for Europe to go in November that of course did not happen um <laughs> so definitely Europe uh we want to go to Spain France Italy you know all those places um I would love to play in Australia I would just love to see Australia <laughs> um and I don't know J Japan Brazil there's a lot of places, man. Like, there's so many places that I want to go. Yeah, um, you start thinking about it, and it's just like, well, damn, I'd love to see all of the world with a guitar. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, you know, the Spanish-speaking countries should be first, um, and then, you know, the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm right there with you. For some reason, it, I'm very, very drawn to to tour in those areas as well. I'd it just seems like a place, I mean, you know, there's rich musical history everywhere, but that's a musical history that I feel really, really drawn to and curious about. It would be so exciting to just be there and hearing it in person. Um, yeah, and like, honestly, folks in Latin America are so incredibly stoked when bands from the States go to play, from bands anywhere go to play. They just love music. They have this this appreciation, this admiration for it, and and they'll take care of you. You know, like you go out there, and you're gonna want to just go back. Mexico was amazing, and everyone that went to our shows was a really just like beautiful, sweet people. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like that would just be such a a rewarding experience getting down there. I mean, so you've been pretty tuned in to like the DIY touring uh, and connecting the dots in that way for, I mean, at least not to speak for you, but from my perspective, it seems like you guys have always had a really, you know, good feel for how to manage making those connections happen, even in, you know, cities you've never been in before. Um, do you feel like, like mm -hmm. what what was that like for you when you were first dipping your toes into um you know DIY touring was it kind of I don't know what what was that process like for you I feel like it's always a little different for everybody Um I the first time I ever went on tour I would think I want to say I was 20 21 um it was incredibly DIY and it was for this a band, a power violence band that I played in uh, called Lab Rats and I played guitar and so I was still kind of learning at that moment you know still 
just kind of figuring it out. I had only really played local shows at that point, and then we decided to do a mini Florida tour, and I think we played maybe one Carolina city. I can't remember which one. Um, And then that's when I started meeting people in every city. Like, I made sure that every night that we played a show, I made at least one friend in a different city. Um, so then, you know, keep in touch with them, obviously like exchange numbers and whatnot and just keep in contact so that for the future we could just, you know, play more shows together. Um, St. Pete was a city that we would always go back to over and over again um, because we met uh, Chris and Susan from Permanent Makeup and they were very hospitable and would always hook us up with shows and they're just like fucking awesome people. And, um, and yeah, through them, you know, we were able to meet more people and then around Florida, it's just like, you just have to start off with Florida because the punk and the DIY scene here, even though Florida is a big state, the the DIY scene is just like so small and everybody knows everyone. Uh, It wasn't really that hard to, you know, get that going. And then, you know, once you meet a few people here, then you meet a few people from Columbia, South Carolina. And then from there you meet people from other States. And it just like, that's just kind of how it grew. You know, I always made it a point to travel, even if I wasn't, touring or playing a show and just always stop in these cities to to hang out with with these folks and just hang with them you know yeah yeah it's funny to hear you say that about the you know the DIY scene in Florida I always kind of from an outside perspective you know you see things like the fest and you know just Mm -hmm. thinking about Gainesville and it seems like it's a big pocket um of you know like a fairly large DIY scene but I guess it's it's called you know it's all perspective um but yeah so what in in comparison you know like does how far is Gainesville from Miami um it's only about five and some change hours like five-ish hours um yeah, we I'd play shows there all the time. Oh, and when I when I say like that the DIY scene is is small, I mean like in the sense of when people say, "Oh, what a small world," you know, it's like the wow. world is fucking huge, but you know, you somehow know all these people. So like the scene, really, the music, the DIY music scene in Florida is fucking huge, and there's like a lot going on. But within that community, there's like these pillars of people that and everyone is just interconnected with that with each other and it's like if one person can't you know can't play a show or can't hook you up oh just hit up my like just hit up my homie like so and so and and he'll hook you up or like hit up this chick and like they'll help you out whatever like everyone's always just willing to help and that's what I really have always loved about the music scene here. Nice, yeah. It's easy for me to forget that Florida is just a pretty freaking big state, you know. <laughs> like, so, like, I was not expecting you to say that Gainesville was five and some change. Like, that's that's so much further than any of the bigger uh, music towns yeah. in South Carolina are from each other. We're all like two ish hours away from the next town where you might play a show in South Carolina or yeah. or North Carolina. You know, we're an hour from Charlotte, two hours from Charleston, four yeah, hours I from remember, Atlanta. I remember one time I was staying with Ryan and Uni uh, in Columbia and we decided to go to, to Charlotte to see a show that night and we drove there and then drove back. And I was like, wow, I could never do this in Miami because – Miami, like from Miami to Orlando, it's three and a half hours. And from Miami to Gainesville, it's like five and a half. And to Tallahassee, it's like 10 hours. It's fuck, it's crazy. It's huge, this state. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and it's funny, like, it's easy to take for granted, but being that close to all those cities is really convenient. But I've noticed that the cities that are where it's a longer haul to get to, sometimes there's mm-hmm. something about that, like, I guess maybe not isolation, because it's obviously, you don't feel very isolated in Miami, but maybe just not being, you know, a stone's throw away from every other place that you go, <laughs> you're like... When you're there, you're in it. You're not. It makes every everything has to be just a touch more committal because, like you said, it's it's not a day trip anymore. You're staying the night, right. so at least yeah. you're at least packing a you know double mm-hmm. bag. Something to be said about that, right? You can't you you it almost makes it where you don't have an option to have like a fleeting interest if you're trying to tour from there because you have to at least plan on sticking it out for more than just the evening. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Miami does feel pretty isolated sometimes. And a lot of the times, geographically, we get the short end of the stick. And it's hard, you know, for a band from Miami to tour because you need to at least play three shows in Florida before you can get out. You know, it's not really worth it just to go from here straight to Atlanta or I think from here to Columbia, it's about 10 or 11 hours. Yeah, that sounds so, right. Yeah, so it's like you it's more worth it if you're from here to, you know, maybe start in St. Pete or start in Orlando and then from Orlando hit St. Augustine or hit Gainesville and then it turns into this thing where you're like, okay, so um, I'm gonna pl- we're going to play two shows in Florida in the beginning, and then like you map out this whole tour, and then on the way back, you have to play another two shows. So that's already four shows of your tour that have to be in Florida, uh, or else it's just not worth it because of, of the long drive, you know? Um so yeah, for I would say for the longest time I've felt like we've gotten the short end of the stick, but uh I am not just me, my entire band waves the Miami flag very proudly and we're always making it a point to tell folks like, "Hey, you know, you need to come down and play." Like seriously, we will show you an amazing time. You'll have so much fun. And Sure enough, anytime we invite friends to come and play, they always end up having a really great time and they end up coming back and making it a point to to stop here. That like our friends in Calix from Pittsburgh, uh, the last time they came, they stayed for I think three days <laughs> wow. before they played a show because yeah, the you just want to hang and it's Miami's so fun. You know, we've got the beach, um, but again, not South beach. Uh, you go to the locals beach when you're with us. <laughs> Hell yeah. and we've got good food. And what I love about Miami, that's so different than any other city I've been to, at least here in the States is that it's so incredibly rich with, with, culture and it feels like you're in another country sometimes like you drive around little havana and every sign is in spanish you drive around little haiti and every sign is in creole it's like it's you feel like you're in another part of the world and it's it's really cool and i think people enjoy seeing that you know when they come here it takes them by surprise definitely and you know like you're saying about them staying there for three days like as much as it feels great to be Feeling like you're, you know, a, a workhorse in the sense of, you know, every night's a new city, a new gig. You don't really get to see any of those towns for their, like, really experience them if you're just in, play the show, and leave. Which is, of course, the show might be amazing, but if you ask somebody, like, what your experience with that city was, and they were only there for 24 hours and half the time was at a venue... They don't really have any feel for what that city's like. So having those off days are amazing to be able to, you know, the best times I've ever had traveling and playing music are usually when we have at least, you know, just enough off time to like explore and, and get to know a place that otherwise we hadn't really experienced, you know? 
So hopefully if you go over and do Argentina or Europe, you make a little bit of time for being off the clock and just getting to actually experience the towns. I want to say yes, for sure, but that's probably not going to happen because Gabriel, um, when Gabriel was booking our Mexico tour, uh, me and Emily and I were here thinking like, oh my God, we're going to Mexico. We're going to see all this cool shit and we're going to climb on top of this pyramid and blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, nope, wake up at 7 a.m., go to a live session uh sit in traffic for two hours go do a do an interview while in traffic do another interview while eating lunch then go sound check then play the show get home at 3 a.m wake up at 7 a.m again the next day and it was like that for all five days and i was like why (laughs) right well you know obviously you know it, it you'll always have the mementos of that tour that you have all the live sessions and all of that. And there's nothing wrong with doing all that, but I think, you know, every once in a while you got to treat yourself because the shows are amazing, but having a little bit of, just get a, like a micro vacation within the tour. Don't call it a full on tour vacation, but just a moment of (laughs) turning it off and just enjoying yourself, you know? Trust me, trust me. I would have loved nothing more than to have at least one day off. <laughs> but it, it, it'll happen. It'll happen in the future. We'll make sure of it. But um, yeah, you're right, though. It's, it's really cool to have, you know, all those live sessions, especially since, you know, everything shut down two months after that tour. So, you know, instead of sitting around and thinking what the hell are we going to do with our time you know little by little at least every two to three months another session would come out so at least there was that illusion of oh wow Las Nubes has done so much and they continue to do more even while in quarantine and it's (laughs) like no we just busted our ass for five days straight and now you're getting to see the fruits of our labor and that was really cool, you know. I, I, in hindsight, really appreciate that Gabriel did that for us and, you know, booked all those sessions because, you know, we, we kept it going. We, we were able to, that kind of, like, helped us stay sane throughout all this. It gave us something to look forward to. Right, yeah. I mean, I'm a huge believer that, you know, if people want to take this – pandemic time to chill out there shouldn't be any like um feeling of obligation to be productive but it is amazing that you know you guys because of the work you put in in the front end before all this before the bottom fell out or however you want to describe it you guys had plenty to to talk about you know if you're stuck at home or you know just not touring rather at least having things to talk about that are exciting about the band it's it and like you said it helps keep you sane just to have those projects even if it is just navigating how to put out a uh or to you know promote the video yeah. performance it's, it's just something to be thinking about like we i just finished up uh working on this live record that we recorded pre-pandemic and you know just mixing and mastering a live record supremely helped to take the edge off of missing shows it was kind of like you're there when you're messing around with all these time capsule relics of your former touring life it helped when you're (laughs) stuck here makes it feel like it's not just a thing of the past right right exactly and i i've actually noticed so many bands have been putting out either live yeah like live albums or just live recordings uh, pre-pandemic, um, Juana Molina put out, in, I want to say, I don't know, some point last year, she put out a live record of her show in Mexico, I think two weeks before we were there. And it's incredible. And I think, uh, yeah, Torch is putting out a vinyl of a live show that they played before uh, before quarantine and and I think it's really cool it's especially you know 
working at a record store and selling these records, it's like, you know, I'm hearing them and I get to recommend them to customers and be like, dude, this is amazing. You should listen to it and it'll make you feel like you're there. You know, it's so many people talk about how much they miss going to shows. It's like, well, here, pop this on your turntable, like just listen to it and, you know, pretend you're there. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's definitely so the yeah. next best thing. If, if you can't get the actual shows themselves, it's certainly nice to have a, that just, yeah, like you said, it's, almost like you're there um have you all mm -hmm. obviously you guys have all of the the video performances but did you in your heavier touring moments were you able to get any of those shows recorded to where you guys might be able to play around with something in the terms of a live release or even if you just kept it for yourselves um like there there's a couple of there's a couple of sessions from Mexico that still haven't come out that I'm very eager to hear and see what they sound like. But um, yeah, the only thing that I can think of was when we played with Iggy Pop. <laughs> um, we have the like the live recording of that entire set that we played with him. And I've been toying with the idea of making a just like a very short run of cassettes and uh, sending them to people just like secretly and just keeping it very low key. But, um, but I don't know, because again, it's like, you know, they're not our songs, they're right. student songs. So I don't want, I don't want to piss off Iggy. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I don't, I don't want you to either, but I also am very into the idea of you bootlegging your own records. And if there's a way to pre-order a secret bootleg tape, count me in, because that sounds... I was curious. I was like, you know, I guess if there's like, you know, that is obviously a standout experience for you also having the mics on to record whoever's idea that was, was brilliant. But, if, you know... Uh, you know, I'm sure there's been other standout shows for you all along the way that it would have been great to do that for, but that one's just such a not sure if and when it'll happen again kind of thing. So having it on, on tape is, you know, even if no one ever hears it but you all, that's just pretty pretty fucking cool to be able to have ultra-rare copy, you know, just for yourself. But <laughs> Yeah, and there's... Uh, there's really no video that exists of the entire set. There's like little snippets that are uh, online, but but not the full set, uh, like not the video of a full set, but there is an audio recording of it. Um, and he was cool enough to let us play one of our own songs to start off the set. So it's like one last Nubis song, followed by five Stooges songs. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is that is pretty neat. Um, where was that show at? I know it was, I'm assuming it was in Florida. Yeah, so it was during Miami Art Week, uh, or also known as Art Basel. Uh, it wasn't at a venue. It was like they, they kind of made the space a venue for the night. Um there's an area in Miami called the design district and it's basically just a bunch of high fashion shops, you know, like uh, Louis Vuitton, Dior, Gucci, all that shit. Um, so they, they set up an area that was not occupied and made it a venue and uh, yeah, made the, the event for Gucci. <laughs> that's pretty cool did did Iggy get turned on to you all from the record shop or how did y'all cross paths yeah so he I don't know exactly when the first moment he came into the record store was but um there was at one point when Sweat was still in the early stages that we needed a, a new air conditioner uh, and he basically 
we asked him if, if we could use his image to sell t-shirts to fundraise for our, our AC. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. So he basically paid for our air conditioner. Oh. Uh, and then from that point on, he would just come to the store, you know, on record store day or when we launched the, the record label and he's always been super supportive and, he saw my band Wastelands play one time and uh, I got a text from the owner that, that day. And she was like, Ale, where are you? Iggy pop wants to meet, meet you. And I was like, what? (laughs) And I just ran to where he was. And he was like, yeah, that was really great. You know, you guys sound like a high quality band, which to this day, I don't know what that means, but I was like, thanks dude. (laughs) Um, And he's always just been so nice and he always remember has remembered me and always, you know, asked, how's the band doing? And yeah, he's just a really very sweet person. (laughs) It's weird how many people we end up chatting with for this podcast who are in one shape or another connected to to Iggy like we you know we spoke with Glenn Matlock recently who played uh on the Soldier record from Iggy mm-hmm. and then we're planning on talking to Hunt Sale soon who played on Lust for Life and then but then you know it's it's weird it's not like we're seeking out Iggy adjacent acts but it just I keep booking people and I'm like oh yeah I guess there is a connection there <laughs> which makes me think that I don't know if nothing else it just means that Iggy kind of gets around musically and and has a certainly has a finger on the pulse for talent. You know, obviously you guys are incredibly talented, and he noticed it. And he's had a, you know, he's just had a pretty good track record for linking up with people who are uh, bringing a lot to the table. And I, I mean, I could see how he would hear what you all were doing and think. You know, I don't know what high quality band exactly means either, but it certainly isn't an insult and it seems pretty accurate for what you guys are doing. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you. And he's yeah, I I to me he feels like someone who's just wants to help everyone. He just wants to help his friends, wants to help, you know, people that he just genuinely likes, you know? And like I don't know, or he, or maybe he just like likes us. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> but um, yeah, he he asked me to be in in one of his music videos, and I did that too. So that was he's just like, I like your tattoos and your haircut. <laughs> Do you want to be in my video? I was like, yeah, dude, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a. I don't. Know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, th- I think he's he's been at it for so long that one of the big kickbacks for him, I'm sure, would have to be just that he c- it can't be lost on him uh, the amount of reach he has and how, uh, you know, if he really likes something, giving it the Iggy stamp of approval certainly won't hurt anything. Uh, so why not let people know if you like it, you know? it's natural to want to shout from the mountaintops when you fall in love with a band. So if if your mountaintop has that big of an audience might as well shout from it that's cool it's you know a lot of people lose sight of that so it's neat that he is still looking out but it wouldn't happen if it wasn't you know it was earned so you guys absolutely (laughs) deserve it which is but you know i guess you know you you guys have been leaning into the you know all the material you have from that mexico trip and everything else but have you all been able to get together and write a little bit or is it have you oh yeah no we've i so at the beginning of the quarantine i i got this um suit for some reason just like not logical very anxious uh just like feeling that i in my head that i was like I need to write songs. I need to write a song, one song a month or one song a week or so. I don't know. Like I just got really antsy and felt like I needed to do something, even though, you know, you don't have to, you could just chill out and like not think about it too much, but I took it upon myself and I wrote like nine songs, um, in a span, in the span of like 
five months. Um, so we're working on that. We've been getting together for the last, I want to say, three or four months. No, less. I want to say, let's say three months we've been getting together and at least once a week and just rehearsing and trying to figure out these songs together because I I wrote them like fully wrote, written, finished songs and sent them to my bandmates. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> we basically, long story short, we basically have a second album we just need to start demoing it soon. Well, I definitely can't wait to hear it. I feel like everything I've heard from you all has been exciting, but I something about this uh, unavoidable, not pause, but at least slow down, I feel like it's got everybody's gears turning extra hard, so the, the stuff that's going on as far as creatively inside of you all's heads, I think it's going to look pretty awesome when it's put to paper um and yeah i mean i think whenever you all are out on the road again it's going to be like with a bit of like revitalized energy you know it's probably been i'm sure it's been forever since you've taken this long off the road oh my god yeah it feels so weird and today coincidentally today i was just kind of going down memory lane and like scrolling through videos and photos. And I came across this post that we made December 31st, 2019, where, <laughs> where I ended it saying like, we're coming for you 2020. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> not <Right>. at all. <laughs> but that's not to say, <laughs> That's not to say we didn't get anything done, you know. I'd like to think that we were productive, just uh, not as not as much as we're used to, for sure. Um, well, but yeah, a, that was like a good cry laugh. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, and it's a different kind of productive right now too. It's like as much, you know, as much as I'm sure you love touring and and have gotten you've grown so much as far as your ability to do that in a way that uh, just kind of makes for the best run of dates you guys can put together. But not it's it's something that's kind of all-consuming, right? It makes it almost hard to have any mental energy left to put into, well, how do we do all of the other things that go into being a band, some of which, you know, I personally have like a love-hate relationship with some of the the necessary things to go, you know, keeping up with social media, doing all that. It's like, oh, it's necessary, yeah. but sometimes you're like, Oh, like I wish that I lived yeah. 30 years ago when this wasn't a thing. So I just was one less thing to navigate, but it's like, yeah. it's kind of forced us all to find ways to make that. Cause basically like every band is kind of like living on the internet <laughs> temporarily. And like, I know. Find, it's made, at least for me, it's made me think about how do I make that something I can enjoy and not just think of as a chore? Like, you got to be creative with it to where it doesn't just feel like, all right, here's another post about the thing, you know? So it's right. like, I don't know, maybe, hopefully some of that sticks to where we can like, I don't know, to where we can continue to feel less chore-like and, you know, you can embrace the creative side of it. Right. And yeah, that you're right though, because when this all started, I I kind of just felt discouraged. I mean, I hated doing the social media thing in the first place, but I did it because you know it was something that had to be done. But you know, I did take the opportunity to like give myself a break from that, and instead of posting something once a day just posting, you know, once a week or once every few days or I don't know, just like giving myself time to breathe and and thinking more about, you know, what to post and like making it interactive and interesting rather than just like, oh, you know, come to Churchill's Friday, we're playing a show. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, in some ways it's like, you definitely end up not sounding like you're recycling because I feel like that's all anybody hardly ever posted about before was either like, here's the new album, et cetera, yeah. or 
here's another show, here's another show, which of course, I mean, that makes sense. That's what, that's basic ins and outs of being in a band, but it does, it's like, okay, well, we're not playing shows, but we don't want to entirely look like we fell off the face of the earth, so what do we talk about? Which is probably why you're getting these live albums and why live streams Mm -hmm. or whatever, but you guys have been really creative about it, doing like giveaways and like you said, interactive seems to be, I mean, that's, huge if because that's one of the biggest things i miss about shows is being able to interact with people so that's something yeah. crucial to be thinking about yeah and we just try to be i don't know like be as creative as possible when it comes to like things that opportunities that are like just kind of come our way or that are opportunities that are presented for example you know uh sweat records has a topo chico endorsement or whatever they just they bring us a shit ton of sparkling water (laughs) and it's awesome and they one day when they came by to bring us some sparkling water they also dropped off this um topo chico wooden box which essentially the rep later told us like it's basically a piece of trash like you don't know what to use it for I don't know what it's used for like it's just a box and so Emily and I thought hey wouldn't it be cool to make an amp out of this (laughs) and we made an amp out of it and that's like the last giveaway that we did was you know when this Topo Chico amp along with one of our Mexico tour shirts because, you know, Topo Chico is from Monterrey, Mexico. And I don't know, just like connecting dots and trying to, you know, like you said, stay relevant, but make it fun for people. And that was a really fun project to do. That was super cool. And yeah, like, I don't know, just trying to not not just do the same thing over and over again because it's not even, it's not fun for us at that point either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea that that was uh, something you guys built. I just thought it was just maybe something extra from the practice space. That's way cooler. I mean, it was cool before, but even more, of a per- <laughs> more of a personal touch to it. That's really neat. Um, yeah. Well, assuming that the world goes back to some version of normal, hopefully, <laughs> You all can come through Columbia again because, unfortunately, I've never had the chance to see you all play live. I would love to change that. And uh, yeah. yeah, if you're ever looking to come through, and I mean, I know you know Ryan and Uni, but I'm always around too if you need a another connection for trying to make something happen. I've always wanted to play at. Oh my God, what is the name? What's the name of the bar that's in Five Points that has like all the paintings of the album covers in the back? Oh, that's actually so. It's uh, it's New Brooklyn Tavern, but yes. it's it's uh, not quite in Five Points. It's actually on the other side. Of, you know, we think on the other side of the river is kind of how things are. So, <laughs> Five Points is like proper Columbia, whereas New uh-huh. Brooklyn's on the other side of the river, which is technically a different town called West Columbia. A very creative really? name. <laughs> yep. Uh, oh my god, I always thought New Brooklyn was in like or around Five Points. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's just like the spot so it would make perfect sense to be in a, in a five points type area it's just right on yeah. the i mean you can see downtown proper from it so it's it's very very yeah. very close it's one of those things where it's like you know it's like Asheville and west Asheville. it's like you've <laughs> splitting hairs they are technically different places but you know it just seems like right. almost just sections of town but yeah we'll get you in new brooklyn we're working pretty hard around here to try to have people go and support new brooklyn however they can since they're not doing much in the way of shows but you know i, I know i think they're doing a li- <laughs> i think they're starting to pick up steam as far as like the food side and you know i'm hopeful i think they're gonna be all right but it's still something to, good to be thinking about what you know goes for all of the small venues that we all love yeah, buy it sure. if there's ever a time to buy a t-shirt from the the bar that you've been at a thousand times now might be the <laughs> yeah. time exactly <laughs> well yeah but yeah that's awesome well, i've for... always wanted to play there thank you <laughs> oh, yeah i'm sure that could happen so easily i mean you could i'm sure that you've probably 
come very close to playing there already, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's like one of those things when things go back to normal ish, it's like all the things you've been putting off, you really want to do them now, you know? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, please stay in touch and thanks again for being down to come on the show, even after you had kind of a <laughs> shitty night of car issues. No, dude, it's all good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk and, you know, yeah, having me on the show, dude. I'm stoked to to hear it and let me know when it's uh when it's going to come out so I can post about it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll stay in touch and keep you in the loop, but thanks again and hopefully we'll cross paths sooner than later. Right on. All, all right. right. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye.